Potentially, you know, new frequent flyer. We'll see if he enjoys it this time. It is a uh, a new friend of mine on a pod. Actually, going to be on a podcast that's the Forza Crowd podcast. Uh, I I recommend you go check that out. Uh, I may be appearing in the second season, maybe. Great, <laughs> great. Uh, but yes, this uh, this guy is uh, Mr. Jeff Feitner. How are you doing, sir? Hello, I am doing well, and um, I just want a point of order, Mr. Chairperson. Mm -hmm. um, did you say free guy? Uh, yes, I did say free oh, guy. Oh, because I really thought we were going to talk about that 1980s television masterpiece, The Fall Guy. Yeah, I mean, we can talk. <laughs> no. Tell you what, you talk about that. I'll talk about free guy, and we'll see if there's any uh, any correlation there. <laughs> I jest, I jokes. <laughs> oh my goodness oh he's got jokes folks oh dear uh <laughs> all right uh well let, let's kind of get the nuts and bolts stuff out of the way uh first for the podcast you can follow us on twitter facebook and instagram at blokebusters you can email me at the blokes at blokebusters.com you can go to blokebusters.com if you so desire it's a snazzy little website and i'm not saying that because i designed it i'm saying it because it's a snazzy little website uh and uh you can also go to allportsopen.com that is our network it is a lovely site as well and has all of the other podcasts on the network do go check those out if you have the time uh but for right now let's dive into the nuts and bolts of free guy directed by sean levy i'm assuming is how you say the last name i did not double check that and I am interested to hear what you think of his previous directing work. So, if you're looking at the films that he's directed, it has been uh, Big Fat Liar, Cheaper by the Dozen, the original remake of The Pink Panther with the... Um, um, with, and, oh, crap, now I can't remember the guy's name. Steve Martin, there it is. Um... Uh, also, all three Night of the Museums. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and Real Steel as well. So that so those are his, you know, feature film directorial things. Uh, would you like to hear some of the TV things he's directed? Oh, oh I think we must. Okay, so uh, for people who come from a certain era of Nickelodeon. I think you'll be uh, appreciative of this. Uh, he directed several episodes of The Secret World of Alec Mack, uh, The Journey of Alan Strange, apparently Lassie, um, five episodes of Animorphs, 
47 episodes of the famous Jet Jackson, which I sort of remember, as well as the Jet Jackson the movie. Um, <laughs> and uh, most recently, in terms of TV, he has also done one episode of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, two episodes in every season of Stranger Things, and also two episodes of Imaginary Mary, which I'd never heard of before. And the one standout oddity on this list, because I'm following along via the Wikipedias, mm-hmm. um, the one oddity seems to be Last Man Standing. Yeah, that one's odd. I mean, he is, uh, that one, he's an executive producer on. Fair so enough. He didn't direct those. Fair uh, but But yeah, that that is, it, I seem, it seems like he's just kind of connected to both Nickelodeon and Disney, just obviously by way of... Um, uh, abc there but uh uh which actually uh, a bit of a a weird tangent uh, so people in america will almost certainly not know that in england um when when i was growing up so uh, think sort of mid 90s early 2000s uh for this particular thing that i'm going to be talking about we we had uh you know terrestrial tv so anyone that had an aerial could get five channels as they were lucky. Otherwise, it was four. Um, and then you could pay for cable when that really started coming out. And you could get the Disney Channel. So that existed. You could get Nickelodeon. You could get Cartoon Network. Um, those were specifically like the kids package. So, um, you know, my parents had three of us, and we were of the age that we were watching their stuff, so they did get that. Uh, However, you could also get something that was called Sky One. And Sky One was a mismatch of everything. So you had The Simpsons was on Sky One. You also had, you know, Family Guy. You had a television show that was called Dead Like Me, uh, which was, I believe, Showtime over here um so like it was let's buy all of the popular shows of the time and put it in one channel so yeah basically if a show was popular enough on nickelodeon or on showtime or on abc or on so on and so forth like it was aired on sky one if it was on abc or the disney channel it was aired on the disney channel because we didn't have ABC. So Boy Meets World was on the Disney Channel. Uh, yeah, it, it would be Boy Meets World, and then immediately after that, it would be Kim Possible. Like that, was just, <laughs> that was just what happened. Um, so, yeah, I, and it, it, was, it was really interesting. There are actually several shows that I watched on the Disney Channel that I still want to come out on Disney+, and they just haven't done it. And I don't know if it's because Disney actually didn't own it. Um, like So, cartoon shows, uh, they have recently added Pepper Ann. So, anyone that watched Pepper Ann, <laughs> you're in luck. It's on Disney Plus now. Um, but they have not, as far as I'm aware, added the show Lloyd in Space or The Weekenders. Both of those were aired on the Disney Channel in the UK. And I don't know if Disney owns them. Uh I, I kind of hope they do and that they add them because I'll be honest, The Weekenders were probably my favorite Disney cartoon that I watched growing up. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, aside from 
the occasional blurry copy that is available on the YouTubes or other uh, internet locales, um, I have not really been able to find them recently. Interesting. I was looking through some of his stuff. It's like, okay, like, interesting filmography. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, let's see, budget for this film is somewhere between 100 to $125 million. Uh, for reasons I don't understand, they just haven't, they either haven't publicized it or it's not possible to get an exact budget. Um, and the box office worldwide as of the 3rd of October, is 323,996,739 US dollars. Uh, 36.3% of that being domestic, which uh, for those of you that are not in the US, means in the US. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, even if you factor in the, the general rule that the marketing budget for a film is double... You know, add the production budget again. Uh, they definitely made their money back on this. So seems like it. Seemed like yeah. there was a lot of talk about the uh, the workplace as it was coming out. Yeah, it, it uh, definitely definitely looks like it's done well. Apparently, it is as of right now the seventh highest grossing film of this year. Which, to be fair, not a high bar. At this point, no. Uh, so, okay, it is an interesting game. Um, what do you think the top three highest-grossing films of this year are? Oh my goodness! Um, like I t- tell you what, um, you don't obviously. Uh, I'm not expecting you to get all three. Um, so, uh, okay. I have the top ten in front of me. See if you can guess four of them. Um, um, I don't, I don't know if I could tell you. F- oh, wait, hold on. No, I, I'm not certain what came out because we've been, uh, we've been rather selective about what we'll actually go to a theater for, right? Um, due to some health issues in the home, so we're uh, fair enough. You know, we're we're not the cinema attendees that we used to be um and and i've watched so much random shit on netflix and other <laughs> streaming services because uh, i i've been uh the past couple months i've been rather down and spent a lot of time on the couch so i've watched right. a bunch of stuff and i don't know if i could tell you what came out i don't know if i could tell you what i've seen in theaters this year to be honest okay i i can tell you exactly what i've seen in cinemas this year because i've been to exactly one screening of a film this year (laughs) and it was two days ago (laughs) Uh, i went to see the adam family 2 with my daughter in a screening that had four other people in it nice (laughs) yeah we, we were sort of down near the front and they were right at the back so we were fine um uh but yeah okay in reverse order uh, the the top 10 highest grossing films of this year are number 10 Cruella uh, number 9 The Battle at Lake Changjin um, that is currently still in the cinema and is a Chinese war film uh, number 8 is A Quiet Place Part 2 number 7 is Free Guy 
Number six is Black Widow. Number mm. five is Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. And uh, apparently Black Widow and Shang-Chi are still playing in cinemas around the world as of this point. Um, Godzilla vs. Kong is the fourth one. Detective Chinatown 3 is at number three, funnily enough. Uh, F9 is number two. And then number one is simply, hi, mum. I'm sorry, what? It is, <laughs> hi, comma, mum. And it is a Chinese comedy film. <laughs> it has made worldwide $848 million. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, just because I'm on this page and I find this stuff interesting, and I'm sure at least one other person will, uh, Avatar has apparently become the highest grossing film of all time again. Oh, well, because, that's good. Thank goodness it, for that. It got re-released in China, so it's now gone over $2.8 billion. I wonder how much cutting in China... I wonder how long it is in the China release. Yeah, I've never I've never even considered that. Like, it's... Uh, I, I do... I like I can't I obviously can't technically criticize the fact that they re-released it because they they did that for Endgame as well like yeah it is kind of a thing that just seems to happen now uh but I did kind of hope that uh Endgame would keep that because I don't think that there is a chance of that happening naturally again like right. just the, like just what happened with that and and even like the the re-release of endgame happened while it was still in theaters so it didn't even leave the theaters um so yeah like i i still consider that to be the original theatrical release and then they just did something weird with it at the end um but uh, <laughs> uh yeah um so let's see what were the other two things uh other box office records uh the japanese anime film demon slayer mugen train released in april of this year uh and its opening weekend was 19.5 million dollars which set the biggest opening for any foreign language film released in america uh, or north america i'd say uh and then the MCU has officially become the first film franchise to gross $23 billion. So, well, there's there we what, 25 now, 27, 30 some movies? Let's see. It was 20, I believe it was 23 as of Endgame. Uh, obviously, Black Widow and Shang-Chi have come out, so that's 25. Was there anything after? Because it, it was like Endgame came out. And it was like, well, what the hell is going to come next? I think um, uh, Far From Home came out after that. Yeah, that's so that'll be 26. And then everything shut down. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I think I think they're at 26 now, which well, means that uh, on average, it's just under a billion dollars per film. Right, but I mean, okay, so this is one of those things where you can build a statistic out of anything and, and oh yeah for, for the record it's not a it's not a great statistic i was just like averaging it out because i i find it interesting to be like hey, oh. like over the whole thing that's like that's a fun thing but yeah you can't actually take that because obviously endgame did the heavy lifting uh, well for- <laughs> not, not just that i'm talking about more like it's it's the the 
highest grossing film franchise in history or whatever. Well, of course it it, it has the most titles of any franchise, <laughs> even beating out James Bond, right? Because this will be the twenty fifth, if I'm not totally mistaken. The Something the upcoming along those lines, yeah. Movie on Friday, which I cannot wait to go see because that will be the next one where I actually brave the wilds of the cinema. I mean, there, is there another legitimate franchise that has that many titles that can even compare? I don't think that's a fair statement. You know what I mean? I can't think of another thing that would even come close to having a, a even 20 titles. Uh, the MCU and Jane Bond have exactly 25 each. So I think that, I think I was... Uh... Uh, incorrect in my thing uh so oh i thought you were dead on yeah i i thought Nuts. so but it, i guess it there were less films in the first three than i thought um but uh uh so so going f- from movie count mm-hmm. um the top five are mcu and jane bond as joint first then third. does that include friday's release which i can never remember the title of no time uh, to die I believe so. I think I think that is inclusive. Uh, these lists are generally up to date for that. Um, uh, yeah. In third place is The Mummy, which apparently has 19 movies. I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> the Mummy has 19 movies. <laughs> I, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, just a brief aside. You're telling me, uh, does that like go all the way back to the first creature feature kind of mummy title? To 1932's The Mummy. Yeah. Are Uh, those really part of the same, I guess it is the same franchise, huh? Yeah, they are. It's the same monster. They're based on films by Universal Pictures. Every single one of the Mummy's films has been released by Universal. No kidding. Yeah, including Abbott and Costello meet the mummy. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> <laughs> Which I kind of want to watch now. <laughs> I think I've seen part of that in a film studies class, which in in high school. It was the final Abbott and Costello film. Uh, early, yeah, the twenty eighth and final Abbott and Costello film produced by Universal International. That's amazing. Uh, so yeah, um, and then joint fifth is X Men and Star Trek. Really? Mm-hmm. They both have thirteen. Uh, what? Yeah, apparently There's both... thirteen Star Trek movies. Apparently, uh, let me have a look. I... Yeah, because they're including the Next Generation films, and there were Next Generation. Films. There were four of them. Yes. <laughs> what? There was Star Trek Generation, <laughs> Star Trek First Contact, Star Trek Insurrection, and Star Trek Nemesis. Oh, my God. This must have been in the mid-90s or something. Uh, Late 90s, 2000s. Mid-90s. Uh, so, 94, 96, 98, and 2002. Yeah, that explains that. Uh, that was a that was a dark period of my life. I wasn't even watching movies then. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so... Yeah. My, my mom will... if. If she ends up listening to this episode, she's apparently behind on these. Um, she will be happy that I got those right, and then I do have to point out I was reading those straight off a list because there's no way in hell I would have known those. <laughs> but yeah, the um, yeah, in terms of the gross it's looking at is this is stupid. The gross it's looking at is domestic, but 
like it's off. Um, like it's it's very it's interesting because it's um it gives you the average gross for all of them, uh, and then also the total gross, and then the gross for the highest grossing film. Uh, so like, it's a very confusing thing to look at. Um, but uh, yeah, no, there's uh, and that's weird because they they actually have sub sub series on this list. I don't understand why why they do that. <laughs> um, again, it's that's an instance of having too much information, which usually Indeed. I'm fine with. However, uh, we should probably get around to talking about the film we were talking about. Um, but yes, so oh, you <laughs> mean the fall guy? Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's uh, was it the other guys? Isn't that what we're talking about? Um, mm. <laughs> uh, but of course, yes, free guy. So, free guy, and in case you are completely unaware, uh, starring the uh, the talents of Ryan Reynolds, Jodie Comer, Joe Carey, uh, Taika Waititi, and then a whole bunch of other people, uh, <laughs> like uh, uh, it's uh, Laurel Howie uh, and. Uh, I, I'm going to butcher some of these names. I do apologize. But, uh, like, was it Utkush uh, and Budka? Uh, Brittany Olford. And then just some random people. Uh, so Channing Tatum is in it, uh, as well as uh, Chris Evans. And, like, and as these are officially cameos, you know, Chris Evans, uh, Lara Spencer, Alex Trebek is in it. Um, you hear as a voice, you hear Tina Fey, Hugh Jackman, Dwayne Johnson, and John Krasinski. Uh, and then also, for those of you who are on YouTube, uh, you see Jack Septicai, Ninja, Pokemon, Dan TDM, and Laserbeam. So, yeah, there, there's just a lot of people in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess. My question to you, um, and I, I feel like I may know the answer to this, uh, how how many, if any, of the YouTubers did you recognize? Um, let's see. What's a YouTuber? <laughs> uh, now, you see, now you see, a YouTuber is someone who sits in front of their computer <laughs> and talks into it, and then other people listen to it. It's, uh, but this time, and uh, bear with me here, they put their videos on. I know. It's, uh, it's a strange I'm, concept. Maybe it'll catch on. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I actually post some of my shows to YouTube. Um, but no, I may have recognized the names of people, but only because I have offspring who are of an age to maybe still look at some of those things. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I will freely admit I only recognize one of them. And that is because I am subscribed to that one. Uh, that one being Jack Septicai. Um, I I know by extension of most of the other people I mentioned, uh, but uh, Jack Septicai was the only one that I actually would be able to point out. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it was interesting as well because if you do follow uh, Jack Septicai uh, on his channel. He has had a couple of other videos of him talking with and also playing games with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, so he's actually met him a couple of times and uh, he had a couple of his videos where he does mention 
working on the film and uh, you know, being able to, to see the work being done there. And uh, he released a video recently about uh, talking about seeing it with his friends and not really knowing what to do. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> which, which I get. I mean, you know, what, what would you do if you were internet famous and then all of a sudden you were in a multi-million dollar film? <laughs> right. I, I, I can't imagine. <laughs> no, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I enjoyed the fact that they did that. Like, I, I feel like, and I don't know how much of it was Ryan Reynolds being like, you know what, if this character is going around and doing this, like, like YouTubers would be commenting on it. The social media would be erupting about it. Like, yeah, we need to put that in. Um, cause I, I feel like he would do that. Like he, he Absolutely. Yeah. He, he seemed to be that guy. He really does. Uh, now, now I'm saying that, um, I, I do think, and I, I kind of want to get your, your take on this. Um, like ever since Deadpool, mm. Ryan Reynolds has basically been Ryan Reynolds in his role. It seems like, like, um, and I haven't seen everything he'd done since Deadpool. I'll freely admit that, but you know, the things that he seemed to be drawn towards, you got Deadpool and Deadpool 2, uh, this one, uh, you know, the Hitman Bodyguard and the Hitman Body, the Hitman Bodyguard, or the Hitman's Wife Bodyguard. I, I always get Hitman's that Bodyguard's Wife's Brother's Cousins or something yeah. like that? Yes. The, yes, the Hitman's Father's Brother's Nephew's Cousin's Former Roommate. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it's like, he's just the Ryan Reynolds that he wanted to be as the original Deadpool. And then they literally sewed his mouth shut. Um, so it's like, clearly this is what he, he wants to do. This is what he's good at. This is what he clearly enjoys. Um, you know, the, the man is insanely talented at doing that. Um, they, he's quick and he is a fantastic improviser, but it's like, I wonder if this is the stuff, this is going to be the thing we see from him at this point. Like, yeah. And obviously this concept was great. Uh, I, I enjoyed it and, uh, and he did really well in it, but it's like, I, I just wonder, like, do you feel like Ryan Reynolds is just going to be Ryan Reynolds moving forward? Or do you think he's going to tr transition back into doing like the, the more dramatic roles? So, <clears throat> I, I I think I kind of picked up on 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 the the same phenomenon that you're talking about, where um, after Deadpool, like he made enough money where he can it, it, he has legitimate fuck you money and he can go do whatever <laughs> he wants. And yeah. he, but he was smart, right? Because he invested in like Mint Mobile and he invested in Aviation Gin and he's got like all these other little side things which are providing a steady income, which protects him. Like, he's got all that stuff to the side of whatever he does in public, right? Yeah. So that way he can legitimately do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> and it seems like it has released him, but I think there will come a time when he has a, uh, when it will get stale, right? Right. And he'll have to have his um, one-hour photo moment or or uh, Kevin Costner's, um, oh, what the hell was that movie? The Assassin movie. Not three days to kill the Mister. It's called Mister something. Mister Brooks. Yeah. So back to my answer. I think Ryan Reynolds will 
being Ronald, Ryan Reynolds, the the um, kind of sheltered now in in a in a castle made of money, surrounded by a moat made of molten gold that is of his own creation. Um, I, I think he will become stagnant and will need to do something like a Mr. Brooks or a one-hour photo or something that is just so off-puttingly different that and it and it's got to be legit like no 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 deadpool humor no gore it it's got to be like some kind of super psychological thriller kind of a deal that proves he can still act if he ever did act i don't know um and and but my expectation is that he will he will absolutely kill it and then leave everybody's jaw on the floor going see i can be dramatic yeah i mean i i will say he seems to me, uh, and I don't say this lightly, um, he feels very much to me to kind of be the next sort of generation's Robin Williams. Like, not, I'm not saying he's got the same energy because nobody does. Um, like, nobody had that level. Uh, but, like, just just the sheer joy that he obviously has during these roles. Like, you know, he's, he's just got that charm to him. He's obviously got the comedy chops to him and he, he does it very well. He's not so much the chameleon that Robin Williams was. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he, I think, I think you trade the, the stand up punchiness kind of comedian for, as you said, the improvisational style. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think I, I think you're close. I think there's definitely a comparison to be made. Yeah, and it, it it's something like you said. You know, uh, when you were saying the one hour photo, it's like I I would love to see Ryan Reynolds doing something like that. Like uh, I I appear to be one of the few people that thoroughly enjoyed him in Buried. I thought he was fantastic in that. Uh, so many people I've talked to absolutely hate that film and i don't know why but um but yeah no, it, I don't. It, it's so interesting to me that um that he's reached this this point of like yeah yeah i can do whatever i want and what i want to do is just kind of be me i'm just gonna do me for a bit um and yeah it, it's it's really it's fun to watch uh and uh, i don't know when the the peak will be, and then when you'll be like, okay, now I'll do something else. Uh, I do know um, that like, I'm just going to read what is written on his Wikipedia page here, because uh, I was looking it up a little bit beforehand, and this is a piece of information that I feel is um, redundant. Uh, his production company, Maximum Effort, is in development of a live-action adaptation of the board game Clue. I was oh fairly certain there was one. <laughs> I think it's called Clue. <laughs> now, and, uh, fun point of order for that as well, actually. Uh, in England, Clue is called Cluedo. It's called what? Cluedo. It's Clue, but with a D-O at the end of it. Why? Don't know. <laughs> Haven't got a clue. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> got a Cluedo. <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's... I genuinely don't know why it's called Cluedo in the UK, but it does mean 
that when I first saw a poster for the film Clue, I had no idea what it was. I didn't know it was based on the game because that wasn't what we called the game. And it wasn't released as Cluedo in England. Um, so <laughs> it's not like that would have made sense. Uh, but oh, yeah, it's uh, I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do. But uh, this is one of those things where it's like I genuinely think you should leave that one alone. Like I can't think of a way it would be made better i'm sure no. people said the same about batman when when christopher nolan was like i'm gonna take a shot at that but um yeah i i personally think that the the one that was made with tim curry and and at all um like i'm not sure you're going to make a film that will surpass that one so there there's there are but two or three things that people seem to do in a reboot they either add gore add violence or add sex clue needs none of that yeah it was it was perfect yeah it was just exactly what it needed to be yeah i mean you know obviously trying to think about what trying to have people come in and improve on it and just flames on my face flames (laughs) uh but yeah uh uh madeline khan okay uh But, uh, but yeah, I'm <clears throat> I'm genuinely intrigued to see where he goes from this. But obviously, this film, I'm not going to speak any more about Ryan Reynolds in this film because at this point, if you've seen anything Ryan Reynolds has done in the past five years, you've seen him in this film. <laughs> it's it's not the biggest leap for him, uh, I'll say. No. No, it's not. And uh, since since um, I'm the guest and I'm just going to open that bag back up really briefly, <laughs> I think you could take, if you were a dedicated individual, you could take every scene that Ryan Reynolds appears in in Free Guy and correlate it directly to another scene in another film. I, I think you could replace it shot for shot with something from another film, either mm-hmm. in the actual framing or in the delivery of the the um, script, the lines, the dialogue, if you will. Yeah. But the, uh, there is absolutely nothing new out of that pretty boy. And now we can tie that bag back. <laughs> yeah, no, it it is interesting. It's like, uh, obviously, within within the world and with everything that goes on, like, you know, he, again, he does it well because... Clearly, this role is kind of built for someone along his line, like being able to play with it. But yeah, it's uh, at this point for him, very cookie cutter. Uh, uh, still enjoyable. Again, <laughs> I do. I don't want it to come off as if I'm saying like, oh, it's not good because it's it's him doing. It. So like, yeah, it's still fun to watch, and it's not like it's. Um, yeah, it, it's not exactly the same dialogue from other things, and with the other characters, it works. It's just like, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I guess. Um, anyway, what um, what did you most enjoy about this film? So I I, I understood the basic. <clears throat> excuse me, geez, <laughs> I understood the basic principle from the few trailers because I don't 
watch TV either. So there's I don't actually have a lot of opportunity to see movie trailers unless I go seek them out. Ditter. Um, so, you know, understanding that free guy, I was like, okay, I get it. The basics. Um, but for me, and it may, it may come across to your listeners like I'm a complete buffoon because I didn't see it coming, <laughs> but the reveal, can we do spoilers on this thing, Absolutely. by the way? Absolutely, yep. We talk about it. Fantastic. So go for it. Um, the reveal that, like, the, the depth of the story where they incorporated the AI development and that's how he became a sentient NPC, that was kind of cute and, and kind of... Uh, re-engaged my interest because um admission time this movie is fun Mm -hmm. perfectly forgettable (laughs) and until you asked me to be on this show i i didn't remember having seen it (laughs) because it's one of those things like it, it is a it is the goonies during its first release when it was just a movie to go waste an hour and a half in the theater goonies now holds a special place in my heart it is a different thing now, but back then it was it was like Daryl. It was just a movie you go watch and then forget. <laughs> and that's what this was for me. Okay. Uh, and I, I think it's time for me to make one of my many uh, random shocking admissions. Uh, I And it's different from my normal shocking admissions. Uh, I have, in fact, watched The Goonies. Um, <laughs> I did not, as it turns out, enjoy it that much um i i i watched it because i felt like i should you know it it was uh Uh, one of those things that moving over here and being here for a little while especially doing the film podcast i was like you know what i should probably watch this this film is one of the ones that seemed to crop up in popular culture it seems to be around enough that i should probably watch it um yeah and and then, obviously, now that I've seen it, I do recognize several um, things uh, that are around. But, yeah, I personally feel, and uh, I appreciate that not everyone uh, will feel this way as well, uh, but I personally feel that The Goonies is pretty much just sort of Americana. Like, mm-hmm. uh, that, like it's sort of a time capsule of this is what it felt to be a kid during this time in america and even more specifically paul this is what we wanted it to feel like to be a kid in 1985 86 87 in america right because nobody actually lived that kind of adventurous life like (laughs) you know we were the kids who were watching indiana jones and the temple of doom and shit and wanted to go have our own adventures Right. Nobody had the adventures. We t- we we made it up, or we just pretended, or we went off in the woods, and we we you know that whole thing. If if Goonies ended with some kind of like wake up reveal that it was all a dream, it would have made just as much sense. Yeah, and and it's something that I I was watching it, and I'll be honest, I just did not connect with any mm. of the characters. That that there was not a single character that was on screen that I was like, all right, I'm invested in that guy, or like yeah oh it'll be interesting to see what they do it was more like i was i felt like i was watching the next door neighbors kids playing like and i was i was just kind of like oh what are they doing now oh okay yeah so. if if i may sure how old are you uh i was born in 87 okay so you were 
you were born when the film was made, mm -hmm. roughly, plus or minus a year. And and how old were you when you watched it? Uh, this would have been about five or six years ago. So, uh, so in in every way, you were the exactly the wrong kind of. Per it was actually made in '85, so I was writer than I thought. <laughs> um, so the movie's two years older than you, and and you watched it. I watched it in my mid twenties. In your mid, yeah. So I get it. It, <laughs> it is, it is a a product of its time, but also it targets a very narrow window of people. Yeah, and I think even even in its initial release, it was. This was a thing where, not like no parent, I can't imagine a parent even in 1985 enjoying any piece of this. Yeah, and and of course I grew up in England. I didn't move over to America until 2011. So, like, I, I, very much, I have absolutely nothing to compare, like from my own experience to this film. Right. I just have nothing. Um, so it's like I. I, I was just watching other kids playing and, and you know, dealing with random, uh, you know, criminals and finding sunken treasure and everything. And it was like, it just, I, I know I've watched it and I've absorbed some things from it, but I genuinely could not tell you anything that happened in that film aside from <laughs> one or two story beats. It's like, I just don't, it did not leave an impact in my head. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get it. It's one of those. So I, I maintain a list of um, a joking. It's not actually a requirement for my subordinates to do this, but um, I maintain a, a, a joking list of must watch things so that you can have a conversation with me. Right. All right. Um, and, and Goonies does exist on that list because I, I it was made for me. Um, and also uh, I showed it to my kids and. My, I have five children. They currently are seven. The youngest is 17. The oldest is 20. Uh, this is 2021. So 25 this year. Oh God. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so there's just over seven years because months are weird. Um, yeah. Seven years between them. And I showed them the movie at some point where the oldest one was could get into it didn't care the youngest one was missing it and then you know they just it's one of those it was one of those rare moments where it's like dad really likes this thing and they have zero fucks to give <laughs> cannot be interested but i get it yeah luckily they watched the gremlins and they dug it so yeah gremlins is something just all to itself <laughs> that is a, a fantastic film um uh, but <laughs> once again, we should probably get back into talking about free guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I was trying to think like what what about this film to me like kind of made made this a, a good film. What what did I most enjoy seeing? And honestly, like looking into it, I think my favorite two things from this film were number one, the way that they went all in with how like how over the top the the game looked like when when you could actually see what the players were seeing like if you actually thought about it for any length of time like that's too much like if you were actually playing <laughs> that game you wouldn't be able to walk more than five steps before being pulled into a mission or having like a 
an NPC running their lines and things like that. It's like, like this would genuinely be hell to play. <laughs> um, uh, but I really enjoyed, like, they were just like, they, oh, okay, so this is a game where you just go in and, and do all of this stuff and you can do whatever you like. And, uh, like, clearly that idea and that that would be popular. That would be something that people would be streaming all the time. And, like, so I, I felt that they they kind of did that right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it was just the right amount of send-up of that type of game. Um, and then... I I I'm sort of uh, I keep going back and forth between two different characters like and I can't pick which one's my favorite. It's either Buddy, uh, which <laughs> is uh, you know, uh, Guy's best friend, and uh, and he he did such a great job of just being this perpetually happy character, um, and he doesn't even get annoying. That's that's how well he does it. Uh, but then also Antoine. Like Taika Waititi is like really good in this role of just being this like asshole tech guy, uh, and like you know he he knows he's running the company and can do whatever the hell he wants, but he's also clearly putting on the airs of like I'm just a loose you know I'm, I'm just a guy I just do what I like I wear like these weird clothing because why not I've got all the money but it's like but he when you realize that he's genuinely terrified that he could lose uh everything like you can see that cracking and it's something that you know if you're if you've been a fan of Taika Waititi and his acting like uh, especially in uh what we do in the shadows uh have you seen what we do in the shadows no watch what we do in the shadows um uh it is obviously um i think more people in america will now know it for the tv show uh but it is based on a mockumentary film uh we actually covered it on this podcast uh many years ago now but uh yeah it's, it's a mockumentary film which was directed by taika watiti uh co-written by taika and uh i think roger clemens moderately confident i've got that right off the top of my head jermaine clement uh, that's it jermaine clement. but yeah so they are playing vampires and it's a documentary where they have let this film crew come in and record their day-to-day life as a documentary and it's just like the, the day-to-day minutiae of a vampire is just boring and it's like these gases are, are terrible uh, but like it, it is pretty much uh you know 90 percent of the dialogue and everything that goes on is improvised um yeah and and then there's there's all of these really cool things that they that they did with it um and uh like it's so clear that they're just they're just really good at doing that stuff so like you kind of see him as doing that, and then he obviously went off and did. Um, yeah, he he went to Marvel. Uh, he did Thor Ragnarok, and he's also the voice of Korg in that. Um, uh, and everything else he's been in, he did. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. Uh yes. Yeah, that that, and he was <laughs> he was the main character's imaginary friend Hitler in that as well. <laughs> it's just like. And he did it so well. <laughs> it's like he, he just has this ability to just kind of 
roll with it and and yet he's still got enough like he's still got enough in him where you think of his character in this film and you know he is very much a stereotype of he's the bad guy who's running the company but he plays him well enough that he's able to really let you see the different layers behind this guy even though he's only really got like two layers uh, <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> so, i mean to be fair though you could play that and and never that role could have been delivered by somebody else and have been just as um functional yeah and, and never get beyond the rolled up stereotype of every tech company executive that we all make fun of uh on on our podcasts mm-hmm. but to add that little bit, like, you know, as as you stated, the the cracking when, when it all starts tumbling down and you can see that in his demeanor and in, in his voice and in the way, you know, it's it wasn't, it was like legitimate, uh, dare I say, acting yeah. to portray <laughs> somebody who's ex- ex- experiencing the uh, downturn of his baby. Yeah, and uh, like, he genuinely brought subtlety to this film that is not the least bit subtle um <laughs> and and it, it works so well i mean yeah it i i will say going into free guy i was under absolutely no misapprehension as to what i was gonna get and you know even just from the first trailer you know roughly where this film's gonna go that that there's a couple of just interesting things and and things that they do with it that they didn't put in the trailer, which were fun to see. Um, I I really enjoyed. I think probably one of my favorite scenes is when he gets everyone together at the like at the water's edge, and it's mm-hmm. just explaining to them like yeah oh what you know what's the world outside like yeah yeah how, how many how many times a day are the banks robbed. <laughs> Uh, and then just it's like yeah, and gun violence. You got any gun violence? Actually, yes, it's it's a real problem. Uh, like, okay, I I really enjoyed that. But then like the things of him telling the guy who perpetually has his arms up to put his arm down, and he just can't do it. He's just like nope. So it's, like, it's such a big build up moment, and then they just flat out don't do it. Uh, and so I like little things like that. I really enjoyed. Um, and 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 I thought that there's so many good things in this film and so many good ways that they did these things, but it's like um, it it does have that thing of a lot of the characters are what you would expect. Uh, Joe Keery character is exactly what you'd expect his character to be, and what he does, you'd expect him to do it. Uh, yeah, you know, the the Jodie Comer character, she she's fun to watch on screen, but it's like she's literally one note throughout the entire film, uh, and that that is, uh, I, yeah, I will say it is not a a knock to her because there are so many great actresses in roles in films that when you think about it for any length of time, like. They're not given much to play with. Um, uh, one thing I'll actually say uh, in a similar vein: uh, Ready Player One, uh, the mm. the the main love interest in Ready Player One, um, is you. And again, this one 
could potentially just be the transition from book to film and they just chopped a whole bunch of stuff out uh but uh you know she she basically in ready player one was just 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 a girl that was there and then he fell in love with her and then it was like oh okay i mean she's just there and she did her she did her scenes well but it's like she was just just there (laughs) and then this one again like she is just kind of there she's there as the person that interacts with guy uh and then outside of the game she's just pretty much every single conversation she has is we need to get our stuff back gotta get our stuff back now we need to get our stuff back Uh, (laughs) and and it's you know on at first blush i was like okay you know the this character's written to be um because like on the surface it feels like the character is written to be the hero right like yeah as as hollywood's making that transition to where it's okay to have strong women it's okay to have women leads not that you're going to have you know a, a, a lead against ryan reynolds npc yeah but um, um but it felt like maybe there was going to be a little more strength there and a little more depth at first because again i went into it like completely clueless for the most part right um and and i don't think what little i saw i don't think there was really any attention given to any other characters like it was just ryan reynolds in the tr- in whatever i saw that i knew about it so i was like okay there's potential here as as she's on the screen and like interacting and then you figure you know she's an active player and then you're right it very quickly falls into either um teaching ryan reynolds how to or the the guy teaching guy how to be a player sort of or at least doing the things physic in the virtual world you know as as a player yeah which was accidentally teaching guy how to do the thing um or in the real world we must retrieve our stuff we must get our stuff back and it was yeah it was kind of ended up being a little empty yeah we have to agree with that yeah which, which again is, is a real shame i mean uh yeah i i know she that some great stuff uh she she's even won uh an emmy and a bafta for her role in killing eve like she she's done some amazing stuff it's just one of those things where i feel like um and again again it's like she didn't do badly in the film and the definite bits where she's really good in it but the it is odd. It is the real life character that <laughs> lets her down in this one. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's so so strange to think about that because it, it's it. I'm obviously and and then and when you think about it, right? Like um, that character, the real life character, is is essentially the the love interest, right? Like yeah she's the the reason that guy likes the things guy likes because joe carey's character wrote it in that way or something like really and and maybe is it's like i don't know maybe it's second level um maybe it's second level observation of this thing right like the the very thing that we're calling out maybe they did it on purpose to be like hey look i don't know i don't i don't know if they did that right but I mean, could be. Uh, it's also a little bit interesting because I, I tried to think about it. Um, so Joe Keery's character wrote the AI 
based around what he knew she liked. So, in essence, he kind of created an AI in her image, which then turns into Ryan Reynolds' guy, which she then kind of falls for. So, she sort of fell for herself. Um, yeah. It's a, it, it's, it's a bit of a... It's, it's something that they basically gloss over with a single line in the film and then they just don't ever really talk about it again because uh, you know guy is alive and like you know he is an ai so he's genuinely able to think for himself and you know he has this love for her and he's genuinely in love with her and like it's just she ends up actually kind of falling for him before she realizes he's an AI, and then once she finds out that he's an AI, she's just kind of like, oh okay, like and and then like you have a scene where she's kind of coming to grips with the fact that she was sort of falling for an AI, and then well, there's other thing to deal with now, um, and then that's about it. Like <laughs> this. There's not much else dedicated to it. And it is something that when you're watching the film, and I think for the most part, pretty much anything you could say about this film is kind of true. When you're watching it, assuming that you're willing to suspend your disbelief for a little bit and just kind of roll with it, which is really the attitude you have to take for some of these films. Um, yeah, you're watching it and you're like, oh, okay, yep, sure, okay, you get through it, it's enjoyable, you laugh a few times, like, you know, you, you're sort of rooting for the characters and so on. Like, oh, will it get to the end? Of course it's going to get to the end. <laughs> um, I mean, I would have I would have respected the hell out of them if he didn't get to the island at the end. If, right. like, he got right to the end and they just bring down, like, the final bit of code and it just blocks him. And so they never do it. Um, but, uh, yeah, obviously they didn't do that. But, yeah, it's like, I, if you then take the time to sit down and think about some of the things in this film, like some of the ways it could work and some of the, like, the actual implications of some of the things in the film, it's like, Hang on. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't quite work. What's going on there? Uh, the, the, thing that, the thing that got me when I was actually thinking back to it is Antoine, at the end of the film, to stop them from... Uh, to stop them from finding out what's going on, goes down into the basement of the building they're in and start to destroy the server room. Right. For a game that has this many people in it, unless those servers are running something hitherto unheard of, um, there's no way that those servers would be enough to run that game and then also run the game that he's saying will come out and that they've been working on, which they must have been running in parallel with it, like, at time to test it and so on. Like, like, and and then he is, like, he's just smashing the servers and everything. So it's like, and he says, yeah, this is the server that has your thing on it. But there's still so many servers that are completely unharmed. And it's like, 
how do you know that this one server has the specific code you're talking about when all right. of them need to be running to run the game? <laughs> um, but uh, but again, it's one of the things that when you're watching it, assuming that you bought into it, you are like, no, don't hit that one server. <laughs> that must right. be the No, server. no, not that one. Oh, no. <laughs> when Well, I, and that's, you know... <laughs> I'll, I'll try to stay near to the the line that we're talking about, but that's necessary um, when when we're watching things that are hyper technical, right? Like because most people don't understand how server farms work, right? Yeah. Like most people don't understand how IFF works, but in Con Air, let me tell you, that wouldn't have worked. Um, <laughs> as an example, um, it's it is necessary uh, to suspend belief at least uh, conditionally. Right. Like, obviously, we don't have anti-gravity. Obviously, hoverboards were not real. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I did did enjoy, I don't know if you saw it. um, Did you see when Tony Hawk, uh, I think I'm fairly certain it was Tony Hawk, uh, they did a video where it was like, Tony Hawk gets to test ride the first ever genuine hoverboard. And like they they really it's like a ten minute long video like they talk about they're bringing it out and he tried it out and you see him flying around it's like and everyone was like holy shit he came out with a hoverboard well that's really cool and yeah ninety percent of the people that watched the video were just like huh that looks cool I wonder how they did that and the ten percent was just like <laughs> oh the hoverboards are real we get to have them soon it's like no <laughs> sorry no. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, it, it 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 is kind of odd because obviously I'm slightly like ripping into a film that I genuinely enjoyed. Like, yeah, and it's something that uh, I I know I've mentioned, but I want to make sure that it does come across. Like, I I enjoyed watching the film. Ryan Reynolds is fantastic in his role as Ryan Reynolds, um, and <laughs> <laughs> you know it. It, it does exactly what it says on the tin. It's got some really fun moments in it. It's got some great character work by some of the people in it. And yeah, it's just it one of those films that, like you said earlier, yeah, you'll watch it, you'll enjoy it, but you might not think about it again afterwards. Um, right. Yeah, un- unless there are certain things that link you to it. So uh, as I said, uh, Jacksepticeye, I, I sort of had experience with him in this film outside of it because he had some stuff that he released talking about it so it was nice to know that and then go in and look for it um there's actually something that he mentioned in one of his videos that i wouldn't have noticed uh, if i hadn't been looking there are two moments in the film where you see him like you see part of the page of youtube of his video playing and you see, you know, his name underneath it. You see the number of subscribers he has, like, you know, as you see on YouTube. The first time he's talking about, uh, you know, Blue Shirt Guy, mm-hmm. he has something like 26 million views, uh, 26 million subscribers. The next time you see him talking about Blue Shirt Guy, he has 23 million subscribers. So... <laughs> Uh, so it within this film uh, universe, Jacksepticeye lost three million subscribers between making those two <laughs> videos. So yeah, it's it 
It's fun. Um, but uh, yeah, and I absolutely would not have caught that because uh, I uh, like, I don't look at those little things the first time I watch it. And this is one of the things like, I don't know if I'm going to rewatch this film. It might be something that there... at some point, if someone puts it on, I'll watch it. But I'm not going to actively go out and rewatch this film now that I've seen it. Um, there is no rewatch value to this movie, which, you know, I, I, as we've said and, and repeatedly, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but just for whatever the runtime is, that that amount of time that I spent in the theater and watching a movie in, in a very, um, for me, what was the, the 11, 12 year old way, you know, go to a theater of an afternoon or an evening and, and watch a movie, get lost in it, you know. Um, I actually stayed awake through it, which is a my new standard as I'm in my 40s there now. You go. Um, <laughs> it, and it and it uh, apparently, according to the family, it says a lot if I'm able to stay awake through an entire movie, seeing as how I slept through the most of Endgame. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I think by then I was so burnt out. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Endgame. Yeah, Endgame for me will definitely hold a, a very special place just because of what it was and how invested I was in those. Um, yeah, and I, I know I I mentioned it in uh, our Endgame review, but uh, because I don't expect you to have listened to that, um, as I guess here, I will just kind of go over it. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, for Endgame, I was potentially going to be in a little bit of trouble with that because it came out obviously um uh whatever night it was that it came out uh we were going to be going to disney for a week the day uh like the day it came out so um uh so it came out that had been the thursday night i can't remember what day of the week it came out but whatever day of the week it came out like it was showing at 10 p.m the previous night um in a bunch of areas so so the actual day it was coming out um we were going to be going to florida because my in-laws were uh were there they invited us up we were going to be there for the week and so on and so forth so we find out that my wife and daughter will actually be going up with my in-laws who were driving up or driving down i should say um so they were actually leaving with them that you know the day before, which I found out about three days before that was going to happen because it was kind of a okay, you guys just come with us, we, like you know we, we'll move the ticket, so on and so forth, like, whatever, it's fine. Uh, so I went from I'm going to be in Disney the week, the full week that Endgame is out, not seeing the film. <laughs> Um, and I'm going to be in the one place that I absolutely do not want to be when that film is out. <laughs> um, and so it was like, oh crap, that's going to happen. All right, I'm going to have to basically social media blackout. Like I'm going to have to just not have my phone on me and wait till we come back and then try and find time to go and see it in between working and I, yeah, I had a at that point, um, 
three-year-old daughter. Uh, so, yeah, just, I, I couldn't just be like, okay, you watch her for an, an evening. I'm going, bye. <laughs> Can't just do that. Um, so it, was, it went from that to I can see the 10 p.m. showing and then get up early the next day and go to the airport. <laughs> So that's what I did. <laughs> I, I got in and I was able to see it. Um, uh, and it was, it was very interesting going to that by myself um, and sitting down and watching it and uh, like just kind of walking out, just being like that to like, I can't see that happening again. Like that build up to what that was. And then having that come out. Now I, I fully admit there are things about the film that don't really work. Uh, there are things about the film that, um, you know, may or may not need to be in there, but like that film existed for the last hour of that film. That's, that's the entire point of that film. Right. And I, I am perfectly happy with that. Right. I, I I'm an oddball. I know <laughs> I'm, um, <laughs> Hey, I'm not going to dispute you at all there. Uh, but, uh, no, yeah, it, <laughs> and it, it's something that, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I feel like we're going to see film trying to emulate that again. Um, I also wonder if they're going to come up with a sequel. I know that uh, uh, apparently Ryan Reynolds has said that Disney want to do a sequel, but I genuinely don't know what a sequel would be at this point because they kind of done everything um like you know the, the end of the film he has his own game uh which is literally just a game where people can watch these npcs doing whatever they want it's more like a tv show it's kind of like a a yeah. non-creepy truman show at the end um and i i, I don't see what else will happen unless it's one of the things where if it turns into reboot, if you recall that old TV show, you might be a little too old for that, but like where there's a virus that turns up and they have to deal with that. Like I just don't, I don't get what a sequel to this film could possibly be. It, it could only be, it could only be some kind of uh, out, outside world entity trying to take it over for nefarious reasons like the government wants the ai technology for uh war fighting or the evil jeff bezos of <laughs> free guys um universe wants it for better shipping and logistics processing or something yeah i um, I, I mean like like genuinely the only thing i can think of is if they basically merge Free Guy with Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> like, like they somehow shove those together. Um, and like that, that's just what happened. Like you, you have Ryan Reynolds interacting with uh, like, yeah, uh, the, some of the characters from Wreck-It Ralph and, and all this. Like I, like I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's not my job to know. Uh, it is my job to end up eventually watching it and then talking about it uh but uh yeah no, i'm i'm willing to see what they do um but uh 
uh, I'm hoping that um, I'm kind of hoping that if they do have a sequel, it's going to be incredibly self-aware. Like they're going to have to go pretty much full Deadpool with it and just be like, <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> like, here you go. Have another one. But we know. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be about some sort of weird cash grab being done by the people in charge of the game or something. Um, Absolutely. And they'll go ahead and film the second and third sequentially so they can just make all of the grabs. <laughs> I don't think I have anything else that uh, particularly need to be said about this film. Do you have anything that uh, you wanted to touch on that we didn't? Uh, no, I think I've uttered my limited considerations of the film Free Guy. <laughs> all right. Uh yeah, I, I say we uh we call it a day there then. Uh but uh but yeah, uh seriously, thank you for coming on. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh hopefully you'll be willing to come back on again and talk about, you know, something else, something maybe more in your wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. I, I tell you, I appreciate the invite. Um believe it or not, I had a uh, a good time. It's um <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm maybe a little more joyful on my own shows or or <laughs> vibrant, but then I uh, I get up at three in the morning, so it's been a long day. Oh, I'm I'm absolutely sure. Yes, for for people that are uh, unaware, I record these late in the evening. So for you, you've got to get to bed because you've got to get up in three hours, uh, but, uh, and that <laughs> is not a joke, uh, <laughs> apparently. Uh, but. Uh, but no, yeah, no, obviously, uh, it'd be great to have you on again. Uh, yeah, and as I say, you know, you pick the film next time, and uh, we'll see if we can, uh, uh, yeah, get a little more energy out of you. Uh, just uh, dial it up by <laughs> an, another notch or something. But uh, no, no, you were great. Um, but uh, yeah, why don't you let people know where they can find you? Okay, stand by. This list is long. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with you. Can find all of my stuff at verbotenproductions.com um, I am a voice actor on Forza Crowd I helped write direct produce and acted on a cool little show called Dispatches of Disassociation um, I also produced a, a four part audio dramedy uh, that is a it's an experience and you must listen it's called Coyote's Bluff you can find that wherever um, I produced a show called Laying Down the Law which is a lawyer slash improviser who gets together with his improviser friends and talks about law cases and it's somehow hilarious <laughs> um <laughs> i have a couple of shows that are kind of taking a nap right now while i reboot a couple things but they're out there they're called half fast that's all about cars and wheeled vehicles uh that we use to travel around the world and round and round which is a political and uh social commentary show uh where I basically beat up on the politicians that I don't like very much. <laughs> and lastly, my most recent and currently kind of in production show is called For the Trees, where I interview good people making good stuff that I think other people would like to hear about. Okay. <laughs> so ju ju just a few things. Just, just a couple. Yeah, just a couple. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yes, please do go and check out as many of those as sound appealing. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and uh, you know maybe uh, maybe one or two more on top of that. Yeah, you know, send send all the links to all of your friends who may possibly enjoy them, and uh, see if we can spread the good word. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so uh, 
one uh, one quick plea at the end uh, on behalf of Blokebusters. You know, uh, if you have enjoyed the show uh, at any point, either this show or other shows, yeah, please do consider uh, hitting the the five stars on whatever app you're using. Uh, you know, it, it it does help the show, and uh, it's always great to see. And uh, you know, and uh, I understand you're busy. Who has the time to write out a review? Uh, I have a little surprise for you. You don't have to write a review. You can just hit the five <laughs> stars and be on your way. It is uh, it is possible. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously, um, rate as as you as you honestly believe. I would I would never ask you to rate five stars if you did not believe this podcast was worth five stars. I personally think it is, but that's just me. Uh, but, uh, but yes, uh, yeah. Please, please do uh, rate and potentially review in quotation marks at the end there. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully you'll be back again next time. And until then, uh, I have been Paul, and you have been. Oh, I'm there Jeff. Right there, everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you again for coming on, uh, and uh, we will see you next time. Bye. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.